You're listening to Places I Can't Return To, an audiobook by Sean Bear Flannery. Narrated by, well, me, Sean Bear Flannery. Each week, I release the next chapter here on this podcast. If you enjoy these stories, you can buy the full book in digital, print, or audio at my website, seanbearflannery.com. That's Bear, B-A-I-R. What you're about to hear are true stories. But this is no memoir. It's more of an illustration, maybe even a warning, of what your life will look like if you decide to live every day like it's your last. Because I followed that advice. I followed it for a good 15 years. And I cannot re-enter most of the places I visited in that time. The Keith Building, Cleveland, Ohio. In the spring of 2018, the most watched YouTube and video history at that time, Despacio, was deleted by hackers. I'd like to think this hack was done by music snobs. Another incident in the long tradition of hackers targeting bad music, which I'd also like to think I started. In the late 1990s, I worked at one of Cleveland's first internet service providers, otherwise known as an ISP, inside the Keith Building, an old skyscraper in the city's theater district. I worked in level one tech support, meaning I answered phone calls from confused users. And as this was during the budding days of the internet, everyone was confused. People did not grasp even the most rudimentary computing concepts. I would instruct a user to double-click on my computer, and about 25% of the time, the customer would snap back, how am I going to touch your computer? No, I would interject. I had dealt with this mix-up where the user does not understand that my computer is an icon often enough that I knew how to explain it. When I say my computer, I am not referring to the machine I am working on. Okay? Instead, I want you to look at your screen, sir. On your screen, there is an icon with the words, My Computer. That's what I need you to click on. The icon that says, My Computer. After a long pause, they would ask, What's a click? When you work in tech support, there are two or three calls a day where you ask yourself, do I want to bite this off? Do I want to try and explain how a computer runs to someone who just revealed they don't understand how metaphors and symbols work? The answer often came down to how polite the customer was. If the user was clueless about computers, but nice and willing to listen, I would work with them as long as needed to solve the problem. And if the customer was smart, but an asshole, we could usually work quickly to figure out the problem. But if they were an asshole and clueless, that was a death blow. And I would fake disappointment and say, actually, sir, I apologize. Um, upon further investigation, I, I can't even help you. It turns out our network perambulator is down. Which was, of course... A lie. We were not having an outage. And 
perambulator is what the British called a baby carriage when it was first invented. I used the word as an excuse because perambulator sounded like the kind of device that an asshole considers essential to the internet. There were about three of us working at any one time, and we supported about 9,000 users in an office that was smaller than any apartment I ever lived in. My manager blasted FM radio while we worked, which we all enjoyed, and created a nice background noise, allowing us to better focus on our call rather than what the tech two feet from us was saying. One day, I'd started work around 11 a.m., and the FM station we were listening to was having an 80s flashback lunch. The DJ came out of the song that was playing with, Oh, hey, that's The Clash with Rock the Casbah. Their only single to reach the top 40 chart, and you can see why. Great song. Their other stuff? Pretty iffy if you ask me. What? I screamed and immediately hung up on my caller. Is there a problem, Sean? My manager asked. Yeah, a huge one. Not sure if you were listening, but this DJ just said London Calling by The Clash is iffy. I continued to fly off the handle. I had asked for a lunch break to process the nonsense that this DJ was presiding over our city's radio waves, the supposed rock and roll city, and he thought Rock the Casbah was The Clash's only decent song. After I returned from lunch, and after the fifth consecutive co-worker approached me with some version of, why are you yelling? I realized this was up to me. I was the last sane man in Cleveland. The 80s flashback lunch was brainwashing these poor people. The DJ of the flashback lunch kept boasting that you could email song requests to the station. Back then, email was so new, it was discussed like having a new in-ground pool. Owners would brag about it and insist you come by and use it. Did you hear? We have a new email address now. You must send us a message. This was before webmail with unlimited storage. Internet plans back then, even for businesses, had certain megabyte limits as to how much email could be stored. So email clients would have an option to delete mail from remote server after download in order to save space. Once you download an email to your computer, the email would be deleted from your ISP's mail server, so the message no longer counts against your storage limit on the plan. Which all meant email programs had to pay very close attention to which messages were fully downloaded versus which messages were still being transferred. Otherwise, they could delete a message from the server before you had a chance to read it. I assumed this radio station used Macs and thus would be running a program called Eudora to send and receive email. I also knew Eudora had a flaw in it, where if one sent a huge email to a Eudora user, and that Eudora user wasn't patient enough to let the full message download, Eudora created a temp lock file that usually resulted in an infinite loop where the Eudora user could not download mail, any mail. And once the lock was created, users would become stuck unable to receive any email at all until they called their ISP, which would usually need to delete both the lock and the large message that kept causing the loop. I asked my boss for another break, saying, I think I can finally let this go if I have a sandwich. My boss assented, 
and I went and sent a 70 megabyte email to the radio station. When I came back to my desk, I heard the DJ return from commercial break with, Hey, Cleveland, gonna have to ask you to hold off on those email requests. Looks like we're having a problem with our web server. <laughs> you know how new all this stuff is. People think that growing old is terrible, but there are many benefits. One of the greatest being, you learn to ignore both bad music and bad opinions about music. After a certain age, bad music is like an ambulance siren blaring off in the distance. You can hear it, and you know it's bad, but it's not intended for you. So it goes in one ear and out the other. It's background noise. It won't change your mood. But in my youth, these things enraged me to the point where, on reflection, I flirted with federal hacking crimes. A few days later, I noticed that they were back to taking email requests. So I suppose someone fixed the issue. I always wondered if the IT person who corrected it read the email that I had sent, which caused the lock. The subject line was, listen to this, asshole. There was no message body to the email. Just a 75 meg attachment named proof.mp3, all uppercase. That file was the album London Calling as an MP3. I remember thinking as I sent the email, this might be illegal. Not sure. But no judge in the world is going to convict me for defending the clash. I'll just introduce Rudy Can't Fail as Exhibit A and the case will be dismissed. <laughs>